Are you ready to go? It was, yeah. That was, was February you're like, 2nd, it's six though. weeks of winter. I'm like, well, that would mean that we're done. Six more weeks of winter. You know how the groundhog works, the prognostications? Puskatani fill, if you will. Yes. Uh, it's a weird cult. It's the cultiest thing you can watch on TV. Oh, you actually watched it, it. It actually looks like an ancient, like, Celtic ceremony in a lot of ways. You ever thought about going? Having your own Groundhog Day movie moment? I have considered it at the time I was not too big into crowds, but I have warmed to them a lot over this. It has actually been about one year since this, really, this lockdown kicked into high gear. Not high gear, but it it started becoming serious right now. Well, I mean, if you were in Texas, you could start leaving the house and not wear masks immediately. Well, yeah, sure, but that's Texas. Uh, neither of us are in Texas. Full disclosure. No, I was so I was watching Netflix um, recently, and an ad came on for the anim- anime adaptation of The Way of the House Husband. I'm not sure how familiar you are familiar you are with the anime, but um, it's about a former yakuza who gets married to an uh, an up and coming businesswoman. Uh, a career woman, I would say. And he takes on the role of the house husband, which is a much more like in Japan, you know, at least in this version of Japan in the comic book, it is very much coded feminine, female. Uh, It's strange for a man with giant scars on his face and full body tattoos with the with the attitude of a gangster to embrace this lifestyle, but embrace it he does. And there are scenes where like a door to door knife salesman is trying to like get the woman of the house to buy a knife, but it turns out to be this guy, and he's like really scary when he uses the knife, but he also uses it to make these adorable little like uh, like uh, food animals to make a bento for his wife, like. He's got a very maternal impulse. Uh, he takes he takes part in a lot of feminine arts and in, in sewing and knitting and cooking and things that are traditionally coded female in that role. And then I saw the trailer for the anime, and um, it's a slideshow. It's very disappointing. Uh, do you remember those like uh, visual novels that would come out? Like the not, not, I don't know what they were called, but like Watchmen, the like animated version. No, I don't know what you're talking about, and I need more description because slideshow doesn't cut it. Well, it's like a it's like a it's like a PowerPoint presentation. Like there's very little movement. There's full voice, but um, 
sometimes it's just like a still image with the lips moving. The action tends to be like four frames of action. You're sounding sort of like, like I don't know, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, or something like the like very limited animation. Like that's limited. This is almost stylistically a motion graphic version of the manga. So it's got so little movement in it that you might as well be reading at points. But if it's got the performance, you know, and the director is Chiaki Kon, who's done several things, no relation to Satoshi Kon that I know of. Uh, She's directed other things like Sailor Moon Crystal, which also has some budget issues. And she's able to stretch. I was reading someone's opinion that she's able to stretch it quite well which I've never seen the third series, um, but I'm I'm stealing their opinion as my own. <laughs> anyway, I was excited about it in the sense that I thought it would be fun to watch uh, a little bit of. I thought I got really tired of the premise after just two books, which um, we picked up in Japanese when it first came out. The other thing I was watching was The Flight Attendant, and that also has a rabbity thing with a darker truth behind it. So that takes us right into our show, Paranoia Agent. We're talking about Radar Man, the 12th episode. Only one more until the finale. I believe they call that the penultimate episode. (laughs) I certainly do. What kind of superhero is Radar Man, Don? Tell us a little bit about Radar Man. (laughs) Radar Man, um, first and foremost, is a little weird. I'll give him props for being somewhat resilient because it seems like he can take a couple hits if he's human, which he appears to be very human, he's able to transform fairly pedestrian everyday objects into swords, um, which is a fancy trick. Yeah. He has a cape, which I find pretty lame. Um, and he looks unshaven. And it's possible he's smelly, but that's not communicated through an anime. He's got these freaky goggles, too. Yeah, they that's true. They transform when he transforms, well, but they've got like... They're almost like Google Glass. They're 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 a set of. I think we see their true nature at one point, where they're like a set of plastic, sort of um, fox-like frames. Fox is the word that's coming to mind, but they're they're um, slanted frames. They're not circular or oval. I gotcha. They and I think they go through a couple transformations, but one of them, as you mentioned, is where they have this ability to see and project images so that he can watch or look at things. So there's that. Now, we haven't said who this is, but it is Maniwa, the the former detective. Big reveal. He's lost his mind. Yeah, we talked about that. He has not got all of his ducks in a row anymore. And he's following the ravings of a madman who in this episode actually passes away. So it seems like the mantle has passed to Maniwa completely now. And he has assumed, assumed the crazy role of, of dispatching of little slugger. But in order to do so, he has to still solve the deeper mystery, which is how Tsukiko is connected to little slugger and how little slugger is connected to Maromi. But in previous episodes, I thought, and I interpreted this, and I think you agreed, that Maniwa was sort of like mentally working through these issues in a fantasy setting that was just sort of a projection of his, of his process. But in this one, it feels like he's physically fighting a 10-foot-tall 
like mutated little slugger monster demonic little slugger monster yes and he's he suffers the ill physical effects from it yeah like i could see him also like swinging this baseball bat at shadows (laughs) um and just falling down in an alley and hurting himself several times i mean seen from another angle this looks absolutely berserk and insane and um yes you know you, you could just as easily see him being committed as you can succeeding on this weird quotidian or sorry um quixotean quest to defeat little slugger ooh nice word yes he it, it, once we catch up with him and find out that, that that after fighting little slugger he went to misae because he heard her distress call like Batman listening to the airwaves or something. He appears and we're back where we were last episode. And he um, gets the key piece of information that he's been missing, that Little Slugger and Maromi are the same thing. Well, that's one piece of key information. And it's something that we suspected and it's sim- it's something that um, I say uncovered seemingly by accident. Right, right. So that bit's communicated to us. But there's another piece of information he gets as well, and we are still not privy to it. Correct. Um, we know it has something to do with Tsukiko's childhood dog, her father, losing her mother. But we don't know. These are all just details sort of floating in the soup right now, and nothing has drawn the the lines between them. Uh, But that's the end of the episode. We have a lot to cover here still. Uh, I I agree. I I just... I'm frustrated because that's obviously something I want to know more about. The detective work by Maniwa and his heroics is intercut with scenes of Tsukiko going on the talk show circuit, you know, and that's where we're getting little bits and pieces of information about how um, Maromi was first born, how she drew pictures of him as a child. And it just so happens that little slugger was there in those pictures as well. Although are we just seeing things that we want to be there? It looks like a boy with a bat though. The silhouette looks super familiar and it's the only thing in all black. So yeah, but it it I mean, this is one of those where it's like, oh, yeah, that could be right, but also, oh, this is this guy's just losing his mind again and it's just a little doodle. Like it is nothing to do with little slugger. Right, right. Um it's also possible, yes, entirely possible that Mani was just seeing what he wants delusionally on the television. Speaking of Maniwa's delusion, <laughs> one of the strangest scenes in the episode, I think you know where I'm going with this, is when he is contacted by one of the uh, action figurines or figurines of the man that Harumi was sleeping with in episode three, the sort of large man who has the doll collection. Oh, yeah. I knew I recognized him, but I did not... I didn't mentally go back and place that. Yeah, he is the same character. And uh, he when when we saw him then, he insisted that the dolls look at him 
while they had intercourse. That's right. Or, they he did. How, how lovely. Like he he insisted that he couldn't he couldn't even come to you know he could climax uh, climax without them watching him. I like how you're trying to be delicate about it. Why bother? And now and now we're told that he's the doll and the dolls the dolls control him. Which control him. Which seems about right because like uh, money was there and the doll guy completely ignores money. What? Yeah, even creepier, the doll guy is making uh, dolls of several of the of the stories we've watched. I could, dolls in general creep me out a little bit. Uh, I do like like the fashion dolls that my like. I wasn't allowed to play with dolls as a kid, really. But when I had a child of my own, I used that opportunity to play with a lot of dolls. <laughs> I. I don't even know if my daughter was that into it, but I was like, oh, we got to get this this new My Little Pony. This one's like integral to the whole thing. We got to get this full collection. This is 25 ponies. Are you kidding me? I mean, what 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 do you think on it's eBay that whole, the 25 would go for? Today? Nothing. Uh, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because, you know, she wasn't gentle with them. They're not in still wrapped in plastic, <laughs> so to speak. That's also a creepy saying because it's from Twin Peaks, but. So <laughs> how do I go back from that? So the dolls all have like little weird cutesy personalities. Like one of them is a bunny girl. And, and when he says he's following the bunny, it's very Alice in Wonderland. You know, the bunny goes down the rabbit hole. and uh, <laughs> As bunnies do. They give him more of the puzzle. They give him another key piece of the information. So that way he goes out to find out uh yeah and that leads him to sort of look into maromi's background the key piece of information he finds out don is what oh he finds out that that there is a news article about um tsukiko getting assaulted 10 years ago yep and so now he's realizing that this has happened before in her history way before and it cannot be a coincidence. So he's got to look into it. Now, did he see a bunch of dolls animate themselves and lead him to this information using their magic, like their, their weird powers? And, and also there's... they end up like patching him up. Right. Or did he just simply happen upon some microfiche or whatever at the library or through his computer and just find an old news article because he decided to look more into her history after seeing her on a talk show. Uh, it seems to me like this, the latter is more likely, but whatever. That leads him to go and investigate Sukiko. But before that, um, we catch up with Sukiko, and she's been getting all the attention. Everyone's lavishing praise on her. Her 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 Maromi dolls is a huge hit. The anime is out now, and it's. It, it all the goods are sold out everywhere people are stealing them like it's become a phenomenon and she still hasn't come up with the follow-up she's supposed to have created the next maromi for this company she works for and her lack of of producing results has stressed out her i think it's her boss yes. but 
But I, I can I just before we move on here, like if you develop a Maromi like character and that character right. gets so big that all the merchandising gets sold out, that people are like beating down the doors for the video of, of this stuff. I mean, and and you're going on talk shows like you don't need a follow up character. You made it. You're done. Like you. Hmm. My guess is she's under contract and they have a contract to produce another character. Absolutely. Sure. And you make another character and it is a pile of shit and no one cares because Maromi is massive. I mean, like, tell me I'm wrong. Like everybody's trying to make it big. It's just, it's just, if you have a cartoon and you have Maromi and you have a boy who plays baseball and maybe every episode is a different kid or a different adult who needs help. That's fine. But it's weird that Maromi doesn't have any other creatures like her or him. I was going to say, how universe. do you assume gender on Maromi? I, I, I'm trying to think if they ever referred to it. I referred to it as a him a couple times, but it has a very non-gendered voice, um, which is just kind of cartoon cute it, yeah it's I a cartoon say. voice i don't i don't know i i guess let's say you get under contract like what is this is it like a looney tunes contract and like bugs bunny makes it big like decades after you make bugs bunny like you've got space jam 2000 or whatever like you can make a bunch of shitty ass supported characters and like can you name the other people in space jam which i did not watch by the way like uh foghorn leghorn okay but has to be in it right but absolutely (laughs) has to be in it so you clearly (laughs) don't know you know bugs is in there that little weird alien dude is in there i'm pretty sure marvin the martian marvin the martian thank you um you know i watched tom and jerry this weekend which is not did you i follow um what is it rob delaney uh he's the the Mate, not Mater D, the 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 manager of the hotel. Is it a hotel? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was good. I I uh, I really liked his um uh, his show that was on. I think it was on Amazon Prime. I can't remember the name of it right now. Catastrophe. Uh, oh, Catast- I didn't watch it. Oh, but... you should watch Catastrophe. It's a lot of fun. That's really good. I would love to. Very very fun. Uh, anyway, Tom and Jerry was Tom and Jerry was good, but I'm just going to warn the audience right now that it is. It is at least 75% recycled jokes from the classic Tom and Jerry's. And you should just watch the classics if you're going to watch Tom and Jerry at all. I mean, it's a cute movie. Chloe Grace Moretz does a bang up job of trying to imbue this person with uh, this person who's dealing with these cartoon animals that are supposed to be treated like humans sometimes and supposed to be treated like animals other times. She bridges that gap nicely, but I have to tell you, it's it's very recycled. There's like only like five percent original material. I mean, I guess why would you want original material for Tom and Jerry? Like it's such an obvious trope that is like. I mean, you could do a lot with just bringing them into the modern world, um, which they are in anyway. You could have Tom do a DJ set instead of the classical piano things. He's like, he like plays jazz piano. But he's or like a jazz piano. pianist. I mean, I don't know why you would mess with, uh, mess with success. What is he a jazz <laughs> pianist? Is that how we classify Tom from Dude, Tom and Jerry? That's how he makes his living. 
All right, all right. We're getting out of the topic here, but um, that's how he makes his living. It is how he makes his living in the movie, which seems like you've seen the movie. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. If you would ask me before we had fucking Jerry breaks his keyboard, <laughs> and like we're supposed to, we're supposed to sympathize with Jerry after that. It's ridiculous. I mean, I just have to say, ridiculous. like the fact that we're having this conversation, like, well, it's how he makes a living, and you're like, well, I have to give it to you because that is in fact his career. <laughs> I just have to. <laughs> Score one for me because I did not know that before saying that comment. <laughs> it's not the only way he makes his living. He's a grifter. He's always been a grifter. What? He's a um, cat. It, he is. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a grifter. Like any more than any pet is a grifter. Like I'm sure. I, I guess if you buy a hamster, it's it's a fucking grifter. Like what an asshole it is. You know, just sitting he there. Forms of like the the Warner Brothers or cartoon character version of Radio City Music Hall. So yes, he he does have other roles and he seems to be out of his depth most of the time when he's put in those other roles. I mean, if we go back to like, I mean, like and I'm here, I'm getting to like the, the origin of pets. Like people kept cats around because they killed mice and that was convenient. Like <laughs> pets did have they a purpose. They didn't keep cats around because they played beautiful classical piano pieces? No, this was before pets were playing the piano. All right. Anyway, uh, during the one scene where he plays the piano for like to to serenade the the white cat, I forget her name. Uh, he does. He's voiced by John Legend. So just wanted to point that out. So you're you're saying he has an incredible amount of talent is wasted in a rat chasing tomcat. Yes. Um, All right. Back to um, Little Slugger. Yes, back to Little Slugger. Sukiko is getting a ride home from her coworker, who turns on her. And he's sick of her. He's sick of her getting all this attention for, like, what seems to be a fluke because she's not pro- producing what she's supposed yeah, I, to for I him. feel like that was a little, like, I understand you're under pressure to produce another character, but shouldn't you be happy that your firm is wildly successful with this one particular contract? Like, it's clear Moro- Mor- um, Sukiko retains at least some of the rights to the character, which means she is in a position of significant power with respect to this juggernaut, this merchandising juggernaut that she's created. I mean, they've got, they've got Moromi everything. You know, people are holding the keychain. They've got the the sleeping pillow for adults, and they've got. I mean, there's Maromi backpacks on the ghosts. Like everything is merchandised here through the wazoo. That's billions of dollars. Well, maybe not billions, but it's millions, tens of millions. Well, it's millions of regular dollars and millions of ghost dollars. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the ghost market is. I wonder what the tomcat market is. But my point is simply, um, I. I understand this is where we're going with the plot. It seems a little ridiculous. But uh, so take us through what happens when he threatens um, Tsukiko. Well, he goes too far. Um, he, is he that your almost official phys- diagnosis? He, he, physically, like, he physically overwhelms her and pushes her into a corner, literally. And then he immediately backs away, realizing that he's he's threatening his moneymaker and he apologizes sabrina and nobody puts baby in the corner <laughs> as he drives away is that um <laughs> not d- dirty it's dirty dancing it's right? dirty dancing yeah jennifer gray is baby. I, I had to i said it and i knew you it would be stuck in your head immediately yes i 
I now it's just that's all I can think of. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick Swayze. Yep, Jennifer Grey pre nose job. Oh my gosh, that's so famous too. How horrible it would be to know, be known for like that, like legendary that role, and then like no one will ever recognize you again. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, he pens her into the corner, and that's when she gets out. He drives away, and he's in a horrific car accident. And Tsukiko is confronted by a little slugger who has grown to now I would say twenty times his normal size. He's he's gargantuan. And then we cut to Maniwa, who has tracked down Tsukiko's father who doesn't seem like too much of not, he doesn't seem like much of a man. He was hard on her. She was struggling because she had lost her mother when she was young, but he chose to believe her when she said that the dog, something, something, something happened to the dog and he chose to believe her. And so he went around with the dog's old collar trying to uh, presumably find the dog. And that's when Maniwa finds the original golden bat, which is just a bat. <laughs> just a bat. <laughs> but it becomes it becomes a golden sword because his other one broke, I think. And we also got a montage of people at the funeral of this uh, of this of, of Sukiko's boss saying that she's like a professional victim and calling her such behind her back. Um, one thing that I didn't get, and I think you were talking about this before, was Tsukiko does not seem particularly haughty or uh, arrogant to me. I I guess that guy, I guess she just rubs people the wrong way because of how mild she is. But I find it kind of weird that the the boss was so berating her for being like, for thinking the world revolved around her and like, treating him as an assistant when really he's putting himself in that position. Like I've never seen her usher an order to anyone. All she's done through the series is basically answer questions and avoid the responsibility of creating this other character. I'm not sure why there's so much focus on her and it's just, it doesn't seem warranted, honestly. No, and in the last bit of the episode, um, finally, Maniwa reaches out to Tsukiko and he's like, I have a message from your father. You don't have to suffer alone anymore. And we finally see Maromi just, just straight up cut the phone cord. And then it seems like he sneaks out and little slugger knocks down the door. And I didn't understand this because I thought Maniwa was with her father, but suddenly he's there. Yeah. And he's doing battle with Little Slugger and he delivers the killing blow. But like a slug, Little Slugger just sort of like gloops, well, not a, like a slug, but like <laughs> a viscous, sort of, he becomes a viscous sort of fluid and just like goops back together again. Becomes a viscous fluid, and oh yeah, he. It's uh, it rem it was reminiscent a, a little bit of um, Akira. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he, he his body repairs itself, his bat repairs itself, 
and clearly the battle is going to be much more uh, engaged. The this magical weapon that uh, Money Wise picked up is not, in fact, a giant killer, or not a not a killer of of this guy. Whatever whatever we need to get rid of Little Slugger, I don't know if Maniwa has it at this point, is what I think it's saying. Yeah. So what happens is Sukiko escapes. She does, and this sets up the finale. So Sukiko escapes. Ikari is lost in his dream or whatever. Uh, we kind of get a little bit more information. I don't know if you picked up on this, but it seems like he overhears the conversation uh, referring to him uh, about girls who like him. So I think this places him squarely in his own childhood. Yes. And did, am I deceiving myself in thinking that Tsukiko bumped into him at the end in this weird No, no, no. That's world? what happened. It was weird. Yes. It was really weird. He runs into her and nothing happens. He's been carrying around the Maromi keychain. But he he hasn't made his move. He's just, he's lost. And then the weirdest thing happens. Maromi vanishes from everywhere, including a guy's t-shirt, <laughs> leaving a humorous hole well, in the shirt. It's the, it's the artist. The, that t-shirt is the, sorry, the doll guy. Yeah, the doll guy. And it's even his... the, doll guy, the doll guy's doll that he makes. That has the shirt. The shirt is missing the Maromi image. Yes, it is. And that's that. It, at first, we thought, okay, all the balloons are gone. People have been stealing this stuff because of the, not only its value, but because it's the hot ticket item. But here, we see it's actually physically vanished from <laughs> existence. And, uh, and now we get Misae in the hospital. And things get weird. She goes into an elevator on a gurney. And the the guy, the seer, appears as that character that we've been seeing at the end of the episodes is the same character that was in the dream sequence a couple episodes back with Ikari, or with Maniwa. And he says, where do you want to go? And she says to her husband, so... We don't really have to comment on this because this is just a setup for the finale. When we roll into it next week, we can get fully in and dissect like what all this meant. But I feel like we've just been, we, we know what the conflicts are now. We've got Ikari lost. We've got his wife waiting for him to come home. Uh, now saying that she wants to go to him. And she's also accepted this last-ditch effort to save her life in the hospital. And we're not sure if that went well, or if... I don't know if you thought maybe she had died or something, but... I didn't think she was dead yet. But she seems to be dying. Or at least not looking at she's, her best. She's not, <laughs> not looking she's her not best. not doing great. No. Um, and we also have uh, Tsukiko, who has escaped. And... Maniwa, who has tried to tell her about, has tried to resolve whatever issues she has related to her hometown and her childhood and her lost dog and Maromi. But Maromi has proven elusive and gotten her away from all that. 
and until she uh, presumably she needs to accept whatever the truth is that she's been running from and that's where we're at sort of uh we're, we don't know where maromi is now so that's what we're looking at Don, any final thoughts on this episode before we go and join our friends? No, I gotta, I mean, it's gotta come together. I'm waiting and waiting for it to come together. It's just not. Well, there's just one episode left. I mean, you know, you you complained when they took a, a breather to do these little um, I, it wasn't a breather, anthology though. pieces. It, like, that's the thing that gets me. It, I don't feel like... I feel like it is connected, but it's connected on the most tangential of ways. And that's what I'm finding frustrating. I actually think that the episode that has bothered me the most was actually the recent one, the uh, Mello Maromi, where, where we act, where all these people are dying. I mean, there's the, they had the biggest body count by far. Um, and was, I, I just, I, I was, I'm still having trouble placing the connection of that one and everything else. Bowen, you you must be more satisfied by these two episodes though, because yes, you were complaining absolutely. that I am very we'd gotten I'm, away from. I'm much more satisfied with these two episodes. Understood. Um, next week finale, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to reach out to us and tell us what you think of Paranoia Agent and the show, Okashina Podcast. That's O K A S H I N A Podcast on Twitter. Uh, please let us know. And also, you know, tell us what you thought of Tom and Jerry. Absolutely. <laughs> Those rascals. <laughs> uh, yeah. After we do the finale next week, Don, we're going to be covering a brand new series. It just finished. It's just, it's in the middle of airing actually when we're covering it, but it should be about done when we start airing it or it'll be close to done. It's called Wonder Egg Priority. I've discussed it on the show a couple of times, but I have watched about seven to eight episodes. I don't know if I'm going to watch the finale. I might just like save that for us to watch together. But um, yeah, it's really interesting and very different. And uh, I cannot get the ending theme, which is sung by the voice actresses out of my head. It's like my go-to like dance like an idiot song right now with my daughter. So I'm enjoying it and I can't wait to share it with you and with the audience. Looking what do we say at the end it. of the episode? What do we what say do we at say? the end of the episode? What do we say? What do we say? Uh, oh, you're asking me. Bust it out. Bust a rhyme. Okashiko ikoyo. Okashiko ikoyo. Yes, that's what I like. Saying. Big bust. I cannot, I cannot lie. lie. You other brothers can't do that. Girl walks in.